Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Wednesday, November the 23rd, 2022. It is Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there listening. If it's Thanksgiving week, that also means it's Kentucky-Louisville football week. The Governor's Cup game on Saturday, 3 o'clock at Kroger Field between the Louisville Cardinals and the Kentucky Wildcats. Louisville comes into the game 7-4. and four. Kentucky is 6-5. and five. Kentucky's won the last three meetings between the two teams. And to help preview Saturday's game, I talked with Alexis Cubitt of the Courier-Journal who covers the Cardinals. We talked about the season that Louisville has had under Scott Satterfield. We talked about the status of quarterback Malik Cunningham, who's been out with a shoulder injury. We talked about the play of his backup, who's done a really good job, Brock Doman. For Kentucky, I talked with John Hale of my friend and colleague of the Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald leader who covers UK football. We talked about the loss last week to number one ranked Georgia and how Kentucky looks coming into the game on Saturday. Before we get to those interviews, I want to remind you of a couple of things. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Send me an email, jclay at Herald leader.com. Check out all of our subscription offers to Kentucky.com and Lexington Arrow Leader by going to Kentucky.com. Hit on that subscription tab. Check out all the offers. We appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. And I appreciate Alexis Cubitt of the Career Journal and John Hale of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com, my guests on the podcast. And let's get right to it. First, you'll hear from Alexis Cubitt on the Cardinals, and then you'll hear from John Hale on the Wildcats. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Alexis Cubitt of the Courier Journal, who covers Louisville football for the Courier Journal. How's it going, Alexis? It's going good, John. How's it going for you? It's going great. Uh, Thanksgiving week, which also means Kentucky Louisville football week. Big rivalry between the Cats and Cards, the Governor's Cup game on Saturday. Alexis, tell me about this Louisville season. I know there was a lot of heat on Scott Satterfield going into this year, uh, but they've really, it uh, looks, especially the Second half of the season looked like they're playing really well. Just talk about the Louisville season overall this year. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess you have to figure which season you're talking about. You're talking about the one before after Boston College. <laughs> right. It feels like two totally different ones. Um, you know, you start the season with a, a really bad loss to Syracuse, which, you know, a month into the season didn't look that bad. Um, considering how they're playing now, it's kind of maybe a bad loss again. But 
you know, um, you have that one, um, you have the one against Florida State, and then you have the one against Boston College, and things just don't look great at two and three. You know, they, they hadn't started the uh, ACC play 0-3 in, in quite a few years. Um, so you kind of wonder, you know, like you mentioned, obviously Scott Satterfield had a little bit of questions surrounding him even coming into the season. A lot of people thought this was going to be a, a make-or-break season for him. Um, and then you go 2-3, and three, you know, going it to Virginia on the road. And, you know, it's it's a lot of questions about, you know, whether or not he would keep his job you know, when he would lose his job. Cause I, I saw some reports that said that, you know, potentially he could, um, if he didn't beat Virginia, you know, they, they'd pretty much uh, fire him there, but obviously gets the done, job done against Virginia. They have the bye week so you don't know what's going to happen there. Come out and, and have a really, really good fourth quarter against Pitt. And, you know, I don't know if that can be overstated how important that was, not just to beat Pitt, but the way that they beat Pitt, because, you know, closing and finishing out games is something that they just did not do last year. Um, even this year against Florida State, they did not do that, um, hence the the four-point loss. So for them to be able to, you know, uh, maintain a lead against an opponent like Pitt, who, you know, obviously has their own struggles, but, you know, to play such a strong fourth quarter and then you, you know, look at the Wake Forest game where the third quarter was just complete domination. I compared it to... Um, a Christmas story when Ralphie got fed up and beat up the bully. That's how that fourth. That's that's how that third quarter felt. Where it was just like that's a great analogy. <laughs> but yes, and then you know, a lot of times with the win like that, you kind of wonder, you know, okay, was it just that, you know, that success fatigue or that hangover? Um, you know, and, and they just continue to roll. Obviously, you know, the loss to Clemson, but I mean, it's Clemson right. at Clemson, so I mean. I think 40 other opponents can identify with them there. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a complete night and day from the beginning of the season. They've got a lot of confidence right now. Um, I think the biggest thing is, I mean, defense is more or less had a good season. I mean, they gave up some big plays in games, but they've been pretty steady. Um, offense is the main thing of just finding different ways to score, whether that be, you know, um, running or special teams or even defenses has had some touchdowns. So, you know, the offense is still something that's it's picking up some steam. Um, but they did some good things in the past few games. So, yeah, this is a, a very confident team, ranked number 25 in the college football playoff poll last night, which I don't know anyone was expecting, um, received five votes in the AP poll. So, I mean, there's a ton of good momentum coming into this regular season finale. You mentioned the offense. Uh, of course, Kentucky fans are very familiar with Malik Cunningham. I know he's been out with, a, I guess, a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. Do we know uh, what his status is for Saturday? And if he can't play, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the, the backup who apparently who they've proven that they can win with the backup quarterback. Right. So we're getting uh, day-to-day. Uh, Scott Satterfield said that Malik is day-to-day. Um, they'll try to do some things. Uh, with him in practices this week, but they're they're hopeful that that he'll be able to to go on Saturday. Um, I think they'll have an idea probably Thursday or Friday, but probably have an idea right now because I mean you mess up the shoulder on your throwing arm. That's that's not good. Um, right. And then obviously he didn't play last week, um, so yeah, I, I think with the kind of kid he is, I mean Malik is really I don't know if he's been healthy half the season. The kid just battles. Um, you know, even with the concussion against Boston College, he comes back, um, you know, I guess it was three weeks later against Pitt. 
um, kind of got shaken up a little in that game. But yeah, he's just he's just a competitor. So I think he's going to do everything in his power to play in this game. Um, but if he can't, I mean, Brock has shown that he can, you know, keep the ship afloat. He's not the runner, obviously. Um, that one big run against Virginia kind of, I think, caught Virginia off guard because um, they weren't thinking he was going to run, you know. Right. So, um, but as far as just running and stuff, I obviously Malik is a little better there, and they know that. Um, but as far as passing, it just seems like the offense clicks a little different in the passing game with Brock um, back there. You know, uh, Marshawn Ford has just, you know, really benefited, I think, from from Brock. Um, it seems like a lot of the big plays he's behind. Obviously, you can't talk enough about Tyler Hudson and what he's been able to do. I mean, he hurdled a guy last week, which is insane. Um, but he's he's a needed piece because they don't really have a lot of taller receivers, um, which is something that D. Wiggins was supposed to be. Um, but obviously, he hurt pretty early on in the season. But um, and then you look at the running backs. I think there's going to be, I know we'll get to that a little later, but I think there's going to be a lot of running in this game because you have, you know, Tyon Evans, who I believe played against Kentucky at Tennessee last year, maybe. Right. right. Um, so Kentucky fans are a little familiar with him. Um, you know, Jawar Jordan, I call him Jawar Jets Jordan just because of how fast he is. I mean, he had, was that the 98 yard uh, kickoff return in like 15 seconds or something like that last week? Um, you know, and even Maurice Turner, who's a, a true freshman, is coming along. Um, running back room is not as deep as it was at the beginning of the year, but they do have three guys that Satterfield said that they're they're wanting to stick with. So I think there is a little more variety there. Um, but obviously, I think it would benefit the team greatly if Malik plays. But if he can't, I do think they have enough to to obviously win, which they did, you know, last week and then against Virginia. Okay, now what about the Louisville defense? I know they they lead the nation in sacks, I believe. I think they lead uh, Power 5 in uh, forced turnovers, Power 5 mm-hmm. teams. Kentucky has talked this week, coaches, about the aggressive, how aggressive Louisville is on defense. Uh, who, mm-hmm. who are some guys to watch on the Louisville defense? Yeah, so the biggest one is going to be Yasir Abdullah, the linebacker, um, who I use linebacker loosely because, I mean, he does kind of a little bit of everything. So he's, I guess what you would consider – I mean, it's more common in basketball to be positionless, but he's really a guy that can do everything for them. Um, you look at, I believe it was the pit game where he had, you know, like seven tackles, an interception, a sack, like a forced fumble. You know, um, he went and rescued a cat from a tree, just kind of did everything <laughs> in that game. Um, he's just going to be so huge because he's so quick off the edge. And then you look at, you know, that front with Yaya Diaby, who's, you know, they're like best friends on the team. So they're kind of a one-two punch there. Um, really the line in general. I mean, I, I think Ashton Gelati, his stats don't really show it, but I think he's he's really good at, you know, just being that complimentary piece for Yaya and, you know, helping to really get pressure on the quarterback. Um, then secondary-wise, I mean, obviously, Keetrell Clark has um, had some really good games. The one against Wake really stands out. Um, MJ Griffin is another guy um, who, you know, will be helpful in the secondary. And, and Jarvis Brownlee, he hasn't been super consistent, but when he's on, he's on. So, I mean, they have a lot of different pieces um, that, that make them really, really hard. And the other thing is they just – a lot of times just bring everybody. So, you know, one game Keytrail had, you know, a sack as a, as a DB because they're just like really crashing in 
um, and making it really, really hard for opposing lines. But yeah, I mean, this, this defense is, you talk about confidence. I mean, they, they see these stats, you know what I mean? Uh, Satterfield was just campaigning for Yasir to be the ACC defensive player of the year. You know, he's going to hear that and that's going to give him some confidence and, um, yeah, but it's just it, it's a very loaded defense that I don't think got a lot of credit because some of those plays they gave up were so big um, at times. But I mean, if, if you just look at the stats, I mean, they've been ranked in the top 10, 20 in different statistical categories all season long. So, yeah, you know, it, it, I think this is going to be a, a really good defensive battle. So what are the keys for Louisville? How can Louisville snap this losing streak against Kentucky? Yeah, I will say get pressure on Will Levis. That's where they've had the most successes when they can get to the quarterback, rattle him up, um, just make things really uncomfortable for him. Um, that's going to be big. Their run defense is not the greatest. Um, I think it's maybe in the top 50 or 60. So it's a little, you know, uh, there's a little drop off there from some of their other stats, but um, if they can get a run game going, I think maybe going tempo for Kentucky would be something that might get um, Louisville a little off kilter. Um, but, I mean, that's going to be very difficult to do because these guys are just they're playing at a high level right now. So I think defensively that's going to be key um, for Louisville's offense. I mean, you're looking at another top-tier defense with Kentucky's even. Um, but, yeah, I think same thing, getting that run game going, um, allowing the running backs to open some things up so they can make those big passes to guys like Tyler Hudson and, and Marshawn Ford will be very important in this game. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, it, it is. It's a very, it's always an interesting matchup, Kentucky Louisville. I think even more so this year with all, the way Louisville is playing and uh, the kind of season that Kentucky has had. Uh, mm-hmm. So, really looking forward to Saturday. Alexis, tell the listeners how they can follow you on Twitter and check out your work online at the Courier Journal. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Alexis underscore Qubit, A-L-E-X-I-S underscore C-U-B-I-T. And then look at check out all my work at Courier-Journal.com. Well, be sure and check out Alexis' work and all the work of uh, everybody there at the Courier-Journal covering Louisville Athletics. I know, Alexis, you're going to be doing Louisville women's basketball, too. Uh, obviously, Louisville really always good every every year. What are you expecting from uh, – I know they've already started, but what are you expecting from the mm-hmm. Lady Cards this year? Yeah, I think they have a ton of talent. I, I really do um, – you know, they, they picked up three really big pieces in the transfer portal. Right now, they just have to kind of uh, find a way to get everybody to be on at the same time. Something Jeff Wells talked about, excuse me, recently, um, because they're still learning to play together. I mean, they had two really big wins, but this Battle for Atlantis tournament was stacked. And so, <laughs> you know, they did lose the, the two games. Um, but I think it's good at this point in the season because it shows them everything they need to work on. But right. I mean, I think you can expect another when, once they learn how to play together and, you know, figure out how to really strengthen everyone's talents and, and get that killer instinct, as, as Jeff Walls mentioned the other night. Um, I think you're in for a really good run from this team. Well, basketball is here, but we got to we got to finish out the regular season for football uh, with the Governor's Cup on Saturday. Alexis, really appreciate you being on the podcast and looking forward to seeing you on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Likewise, John. We'll see you then. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is John Hale, my friend, colleague, and UK football beat reporter extraordinaire for the Herald Leader at Kentucky.com. How's your Thanksgiving week going, John? 
so far so good because football interviews are already done so you know that's uh it's wednesday and uh, i think we're that's our last post-practice uh, regular season interview of the season that's right. Yeah, we, we are recording this a day early because of Thanksgiving. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. We usually do it on Thursday morning. We did do our last interviews, offense and defense, together last night with the, the defensive side with uh, Brad White. We talked with uh, Jordan Wright and J.J. Weaver on offense. We talked with uh, Rich Gangarello and Will Levis. Before we get to all that in Kentucky Louisville Week, let's talk about something that happened uh, after the Georgia game. Uh, John, you broke the story that Kentucky had signed uh, Mark Stoops to a contract extension. Uh, it was actually signed the day before the Vanderbilt game, but then they lost to Vanderbilt, so it was not not announced. Um, that, as you reported, there was a, actually a PR release that uh, w- was with the contract, but that never got announced anyway. Uh, first of all, what, what did you think about the idea of giving Mark Stoops a contract at this point after – a season in which they've obviously been a disappointing season. They're six and five heading into the Louisville game. I don't necessarily have a problem with the contract in itself. I mean, he's going to make $9 million a year, which right now would put him sixth in the country. By the time this coaching carousel finishes up and guys, you know, Auburn and Nebraska hired people and then the guys who stay get raises and the places they leave all replace them. I, I think he's going to end up towards the back end of the top 10, maybe even, you know, slightly outside the top 10 in salary for next season. So that part of it's okay. Obviously, he doesn't, they have not had top 10 level success, but you can make the argument that Mark Stoops is more important to Kentucky than even some of those, you know, top level coaches are to powerhouse programs. Cause if you take Mark Stoops away, what happens to Kentucky football versus at some of those places that probably just plug and play and, and keep being really good. The part that's interesting to me is the timing. You know, it makes sense that they started these negotiations early in the season. Kentucky's four and oh in the top 10, his name's being thrown around for, uh, Nebraska and Auburn and other places, all the NIL chatter is out there about whether Kentucky can, you know, continue to maintain the success in the era of the transfer portal and NIL deals being so important in recruiting. We know divisions are almost certainly going away in the SEC, so the schedule is going to get harder, even if it stays at eight games. Definitely, if it goes to nine games, like it looks like. So there's there were real questions about can Mark keep this up? Can he keep him at this level? Can he take another step? Maybe this is the year he needs to leave. So from an administration standpoint, it makes sense to where they thought, okay, this is this is real. We need to go out and make this commitment. That being said, I, I wonder why you don't wait a little bit until later in the season. Hindsight obviously clear that that he was not going to get an offer probably at Nebraska or Auburn, given the way the last two weeks had played out for them, losing to Vanderbilt and then um, you know, playing pretty well against Georgia, but not really having a chance to win that game. Now it looks a little, you know, like they got ahead of themselves, but um, that's, I think that's just where the market is with college football right now. And at least he can go to recruits now this month and transfers and his own players who are considering entering the portal and say, I'm committed here. You need to, you know, I've, I've shown my commitment. How about you show yours as well? So that part of it can help. The timing's weird. And then the whole fiasco of, signing it before Vanderbilt and not announcing it and posting it online. I, I first heard about this Saturday night, heard some rumblings that he had signed a contract extension the day before they lost to Vanderbilt. And I thought, surely that's not right. That doesn't sound right. They would have, they would have said something. And then the way UK's contract situation works is, you know, obviously public records, uh, the contracts are open 
at all public schools. They have to give them over. And so instead of just fielding requests for those all the time, UK has an actual website where they post all of the coaching contracts on there. And so I went and looked and sure enough, there was a new contract there and had a press release attached to it that they never sent out. Uh, he talked about it as Monday press conference with us. But still, it's the only actual acknowledgement I've seen from the, the university in the official way is they tweeted out something during that press conference that they'd signed him yeah. to a new deal, and that's it. So it's still a weird situation, but you know it is what it is at this point. I mean, it. I mean, that is for people a little inside baseball here. For people who don't know, Kentucky has held press conferences before just to announce that they are signing yeah. coaches to extensions or uh, or a new contract. Uh, so this is very unusual for them. Not to, you know, it just gave the appearance that they're trying to hide it or they're embarrassed by it or they, they don't want to take a PR hit for it. To me, yeah, I know they signed it before the Vanderbilt game and I know they lose the Vanderbilt, but you could have, even after the Vanderbilt game on Monday or whatever, just announced it and said, yeah, we know this is a bad loss, but we're committed to, to this is the guy we want coaching Kentucky and to continue coaching Kentucky. We're committed to do that. But it makes it look like they just didn't want to stand up and, Take the PR hit if they did take the PR hit, which and the other thing too about these things is they always get out. There's, yeah. At some point, <laughs> you know, some point or later, a per, somebody like John Hale is going to find out about it, and he's going to look. He's going to do some investigative work and find out and find out. I mean, that's good. That's just happened. So if you think you were just going to post that and nobody would ever notice, I mean, that's 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 ridiculous too. So I agree with you. Yeah. That uh, fiasco is a good word for that. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I knowing Mark's personality and how often in these press conferences he's always so concerned about you know taking a shot and people taking shots at him and you know not saying something that makes a headline. He says that all the time. I'm not going to give you a headline or whatever. I can definitely see that after that Vanderbilt game, he went him going to you know his PR people and say, "No way, don't put this out. Like we can't we can't do this right now." But why they didn't just do it on Friday before the Vanderbilt game is my biggest question. I. I I remember his first contract extension. Uh, it might have been in 2015 that year when they started five and one. Right. They called the special press conference the day I think they were going to Missouri. They right. called us all into the old football uh, practice facility, and we all showed up right before they like got on the bus to go to the airport and fly to Missouri and, and had a little like ten minute session about it or whatever. Just do that. I mean, it, it, right. it's weird the way they handled it all all together. I remember that press conference because that was the press conference where Mitch tried to argue that he didn't believe in leverage. There was no such thing as leverage. And it was like, no. that that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> if, you, if you talk to anybody who knows anything about contract law, the first thing they will tell you is about leverage. Who has the leverage? So, uh, but anyway, uh, that was that was several years ago. Okay, let's get to the game. Enough about the contract. Let's get to the game on Saturday. As we were talking before we hit the record button, there's a lot at stake for both teams, but there's a lot at stake for Kentucky in this game, uh, going into this game on Saturday. Louisville's playing really well. They've won five out of their last six. They're seven and four. They've, they own a three-game losing streak to Kentucky. Uh, just talk about what, what's, what's at stake for Kentucky in this game. I mean, obviously, you just start with the bragging rights and the rivalry. And, and for, you know, if they're having this game at the end of the season versus the beginning of the season does offer one real benefit to whoever wins it. No matter what happened up until this point, it gives your fans something to be positive about going into December and gives you some momentum going into recruiting and all those things. Uh, the fact that Louisville has you know, maybe had their turnaround season under Scott Satterfield, their version of, of 2016 Kentucky football, 
Um, that year, remember, it was so important for Kentucky to pull off the upset of Louisville in that last game with Lamar Jackson as Heisman Trophy season. They used that all through December to go sign a, a really, a, you know, a good recruiting class and, and all that momentum, and it helped them get to where they are now as a program. So, if you can go out and stop Louisville, your biggest rival, from doing that, given the success they're having in recruiting with all the NIL stuff already, that's in a, important in and of itself. And then you just expand it a little bit and say. It's the last home game for Will Levis, we know for sure. It's the last home game for Chris Rodriguez. It's the last home game uh, for all those super seniors who came back this this year. You know, DeAndre Square and Jack West Jones, those guys might not play, but uh, Jordan Wright, Tyrell Agent, all those guys who came back. And then uh, even a guy like J.J. Weaver is going through senior day this week, even though he's a junior and has two years of eligibility left. So it could be a last home game for a lot of really important players What's the offense look like? Uh, can Rich Cangarello do enough this week to save his job? I don't know that one game's going to change one way or the other, but if you go out and have a huge performance, are you really going to make a, a coordinator change the next day? I, I, don't, I don't know. That's, that's an open question. Um, and then, you know, there's more and more of, of the transfer portal stuff and the NIL and, and keeping your current players involved. So you were able to showcase Barry on Brown last week against the number one team in the country. Can you keep those guys happy and keep proving to them that this is the place to stay and develop all of those things are on the table. And, and then you look at the bowl stuff too. I'm not sure Kentucky's going to have a lot of say in where they're going this year because it's going to be such a jumbled mess. Um, if there's a scenario where Kentucky, Florida, South Carolina, Mississippi state and Arkansas could all be seven and five after this weekend without anything crazy happening. And so that means all those mid-tier bowl games in the SEC, it's going to be kind of like throwing darts at a board to decide who gets to go there. I don't think Kentucky can can still get to Tampa in that bowl game because of South Carolina's win over Tennessee last week. Uh, the fact that they have a better conference record, they have the head-to-head win, seems like they would be an easy pick to go there. But, you know, maybe Kentucky can can get somewhere else. You know, are they going to go to Las Vegas and have to deal with the – the recruiting headache of being of playing in a bowl game the week before signing day, or will they go to the Music City Bowl and deal with the headache of, of playing at the same time as the Kentucky Louisville basketball game? All of those scenarios are still on the table, and, and how this weekend plays out, both in Kentucky's game and, and around the league, is going to say a lot about where they end up in the bowl. What about the game itself? Let's let's backtrack a little bit to the Georgia game. Uh, Sixteen to six loss against the number one ranked team in the country. They played after that, you know, very disappointing loss to Vanderbilt. You know, they, they, I mean, they fought against Georgia. They played hard uh, for many parts of that game. They held their own, but they still ended up with a 10-point loss to Georgia, another loss to Georgia. What were your feelings for Kentucky coming out of that game? And how do you think, what's their confidence level, you think, coming out of that game going into this game against Louisville? I think it, it was big for the defense in particular, especially they, they stood up in the red zone and, and held Georgia to field goals in the first half and then had the one goal line stand when Georgia was trying to you know finish it off with a touchdown at the end of the game. Uh, so that that was important. I thought Rich Skinger, you asked Rich Skinger all of that yesterday and uh, about confidence coming off the performance because they did have a 99-yard touchdown drive against the best defense in the country that could do some of those things. And um, I think it's been fair to criticize uh, Rich Gingaro for glossing over many of their offensive issues throughout the season. But for once, he did not do that at all, and he did not take the easy way out there. I thought it was a really interesting answer that he said, you know, we can give confidence for some of those young linemen who matched up against Georgia's you know, defensive linemen who are top draft prospects and held their own. 
but at the end of the day, they only scored six points and, and they had, you know, three drives of five plus minutes and didn't get points at all out of a few, out of most of them. And so that's just where we've been for a couple of weeks now watching this offense and they, they can't finish drives. They struggle in the red zone. And until they start doing that, it's hard to say that they're dramatically different or going to turn things around. So, you know, good and bad, I think for both, both sides of the ball, but, um, I, I don't think anybody really expected them to beat Georgia. So to have it be respectable, not get embarrassed like they did against Tennessee, I do think it at least built some positive momentum going into this one. Yeah. So that leads us to what What are the keys for Kentucky? What do they, And probably the keys are a lot of what you just talked about, finishing off drives and things like that. But what do you see as the keys for Kentucky? Yeah, it's a week where we're going to really see if the offensive line has gotten any better over the course of the, of the season. I mean, they – Louisville leads the country in sacks. Uh, first game where I was talking about how, you know, obviously Louisville does not have nearly the caliber of, of players that Georgia does, but their defense is so different that it can be, you know, a different kind of challenge, even more challenging in terms of the pass rush because Georgia just lines up and rushes for and, and they beat you a lot of times doing that, but Louisville's going to bring pressure from all over the field and have a bunch of movements and twists and stunts and all those football coaching words they use about defensive line play up front. And, and Kentucky's offensive line has not handled those things very well this year. So can they do that? Can they protect Will Levis long enough to let him get the ball to, to Barry on Brown and Dengue and those other guys? That's going to be huge. And then to me, the one question I, I have a hard time knowing until we see how the game plays out is I just keep thinking back to a year ago when Louisville was also coming into this game on a hot streak and you know they were a favorite in, in several places in the game and everybody after afterwards after Kentucky won again in a blowout for the third straight game of the series said the second that we saw Louisville you know be a favorite we knew we were going to win this game basically because we play in the SEC every week and we have this physicality and it's such a harder test so when we go out of conference and play these other teams from the ACC or whatever we had this physical advantage. Is that still the case for Kentucky? It, it might be. I mean, they struggled against some MAC teams this year, so I'm not sure that I believe that totally. But maybe they they can go out and impose their will, like they have the last three games, and and run the ball and, and control the game and, and win comfortably. That that's certainly within the realm of possibility. But I just have no idea until we see this offensive line against a non-SEC team and, and see if there's any progress from early in the year. Right, right. To me, the other thing too is turnovers. You can't turn the ball over. And Louisville said, you know, they lead the power five and force turnovers. And a lot of that goes back to that aggressive defense, as uh, Rich Gang- Mark Stoops said it on Monday. And Rich Gangarello kind of expounded on it even more yesterday about they do things to try to create big plays for their defense, and they've been successful doing that. I think, was it Rich last night who kind of compared them to the Ole Miss defense? And yeah. Kentucky, you know, we, at Ole Miss, they kind of had the same problems they had uh, other times. They moved the ball some, but they couldn't complete drives, and then they turned the ball over on those last two drives. Will Levis, uh, you know, with the fumbles on the last two drives. I, I don't think they can do that Saturday and win this game. No, absolutely. And, and it's interesting, that Ole Miss comparison – Shows you a lot, and now Rich Gingarello changed his tone this week because Ole Miss was the week beforehand that he said, I hope they blitz. We welcome the blitz. That's what this offense is built to handle the blitz. And now 11 games into it, I think he's realized that uh, his offensive line is not good enough to make those kind of public statements. Yes, Lane Kiffin brought that up after the the game uh, uh, when Ole Miss beat Kentucky. Uh, Well, obviously every every year, uh, Kentucky-Louisville is always a big game, whether it's the first week of the year, first game of the 
the season or the last game of the season, uh, and it'll be a big game on Saturday. As I've said and written before, seven and five is not great, but it sounds a heck of a lot better than a six, six and six if you're Kentucky. And Louisville would love nothing better than to cap off what's been a surprisingly good season for them than snapping that losing streak against Kentucky and Scott Satterfield getting his first win over Kentucky. Uh, John, remind uh, the listeners uh, where they can find you on Twitter. And, uh, of course, be sure to check out all of John's work this week on Kentucky.com. It's John Hale, J-O-N-H-A-L-E underscore H-L. And, John, what about your, what are your Thanksgiving plans? Are you a traveler on Thanksgiving, or do you get to stay home on Thanksgiving? Luckily, um, all the families close by, my in-laws are in Danville, and so we usually do Thanksgiving with them. That's the plan. And then my family is actually here in Lexington now, and so we we'll eat Christmas in Lexington. So no travel for the holidays for me. Oh, great. That's good. No travel for me on Thanksgiving. We travel during Christmas, but no th- travel on Thanksgiving. So everybody out there, have a happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, John, and I'll look, I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Thanks for having me. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks again to Alexis Cubitt of the Courier Journal and John Hale of Kentucky.com. Thanks to everybody for listening. Remember, Saturday, 3 o'clock, Kentucky-Louisville will have plenty of coverage leading up, leading up to the game, during the game, and after the game. The game is on the SEC Network. Check out my sidelines blog for the live updates and my takeaways after the game. Thanks to everybody for listening. Everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.